morning, everybody. I'm Penny Houston from New South Wales DPI. And today I'm having a little chat with Brad Baxter. He's down at Wagga and the pathologist in serial space down there. And Steve Simpendorfer, based at Tamworth. Uh, he's another plant pathologist who uh, needs little introduction. But um, Steve, I know that you've just had a week in Maitland working on the Varroa mite response in bees down there. Can you give us a summary in one minute or less of what you were doing? Yeah, so basically uh, working in the lab. So uh, RFS crews went out with beekeepers largely and you know, sampled hives and doing alcohol washes. Then we went back in the lab uh, with that uh, ethanol that come off the wash and identifying if there's any varroa mite in it under the lab. So yeah, it was a great experience, real community atmosphere, the RFS and you know multiple agencies in uh, DPI and local land services, et cetera, there had a really community atmosphere. And yeah, it was a, a great week. Well, good on you for doing it. And I know DPI is quite active in that space at the moment, but back to the disease that's uh, it's causing job us- security. Job security, buddy, job security. <laughs> What, what, in case there's no serial diseases ever again? I think you'll be uh, right for a job oh. for a while. Um, Steve, yeah. we had a chat last week and you indicated that um, there's a few issues going on with striped rust in the paddock and wanted to get a podcast out quickly about that. Um, what are you seeing and, um, and, and what do growers and agros need to know about what's happening this season? Yes, yeah, certainly over the last two weeks, there's been a massive rise in the number of reports of striped rust being observed in crops. And not trying to create panic, but it's, you know, it was always going to be an early epidemic. So we know it needs that uh, Green Bridge volunteer wheat to survive. And with a wet harvest, a lot of grain on the ground last year, difficulty in doing fallow sprays because it was too wet or you too expensive. Um, it was always going to be, you know, a, a real ramp into this year of, of the levels. So certainly see it there. The main concern is we're seeing a lot, lot of what we call seedling infections where the fungus, uh, striped rust fungus moves sideways and up and down the leaf, so it's not clear striping. So all varieties, um, unless they're rated R, which we don't resistant, fully resistant, which we don't have any of those really anyway, can get those seedling infections. So you know, even varieties like Lancer for us up here, they're getting some level of seedling infection. It's just that we've got a really early epidemic. They're largely cleaning themselves up, but it's, it's not till you get the older leaves later in the season um, that you get that clear striping where the infection gets confined between the leaves um, and that gives you the stripe. My main concern too is we've got a massive split in sowing times this year. So you either got in before the big rain or you're late. So that later planted stuff is going to be under massive early stripe rush pressure. So everything, you know, everything um, is susceptible early and it gets more resistant over time. So it's really the need to do something that can protect those later sown crops from early stripe rust is, is what we're concerned about. So, Steve, in the past, you've um, not recommended putting a fungicide in with the first herbicide going over the crop because often the timing wasn't, you know, ideal. Um, any thoughts about that this year? I think in that later same crop, it's probably a good strategy just to take the pressure out because um, it's going to be going to be a lot of pressure there, which is going to build within the system. So, I think something in there cheap. Uh, on the fungicide side will really knock the epidemic uh, on the head because what would happen is that hopefully the temperature's warm so the pressure is going to be more early and hopefully with the stripe rust temperature range it'll come off a bit later but yeah and we'll talk other diseases later as well. Okay thanks for that Steve. Brad um, from down south be nice and wet I heard there's going to be flooding in Wagga today there's um, major flooding in Warren it's water views outside my back door today but what are you seeing down there and, and what varieties are, are being bits of suckers this year? Oh, good morning and thank you for having me back on the podcast. So, um, yeah, 
The river is up. We went for a drive yesterday and had a look, and I think it's about 8.3 metres or something, and it's meant to peak today. So I think nine metres is um, where it starts causing issues. So hopefully we peak below that. But uh, what are we seeing down south? Um, again, stripe rust is, uh, you know, taking off. Um, not too many surprises. We're really seeing just the, the 198 and the 239 um, susceptible variety. So um, 198 being essentially it's DS Bennett, uh, it, it, you know, taking it on early, being a grazing wheat sown early. And now we're starting to see 239 kick off here in the south um, on the likes of Vixen, Catapult, um, Rockstar and um, Cuda as well. Um, it was only a couple of weeks ago we started seeing hot spots um, in Vixen. Uh, also, some reports in Scepter and Condo, which could possibly be the 134 pathotype. Um, but as Steve said, um, with the splits in sowing, um, if it is seedling uh, stripe rust in Scepter and Condo, it could possibly be another pathotype. But if that continues to develop, um, in the adult stage, um, it could potentially be the 134 pathotype. So, yeah, just starting to move along down here. We're a little bit behind where Steve is up there in temperature, so we'll start to see our pressure come through now. Yeah, um, well, that's good to know, even though it's a little bit concerning. But um, talking about the temperature, Brad, can you give us a, um, a few of the basics of stripe rust, like its ideal temperature range? If it likes high humidity, we've obviously had a lot of rain again in the last week. Um, yeah, can you give us some background there, please? Yeah, so of the three rust types being stripe rust, leaf rust and stem rust, um, stripe rust likes it the coolest. So it's optimal sort of cycling temperature is somewhere between 10 to 15 degrees and has a latency period of somewhere between 10 and 14 days. Um, it doesn't have a huge moisture requirement. Um, so, you know, six hours of, of sort of leaf wetness is enough to get it to cycle. And above and below its optimum, you know, cycling temperatures, it, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't stop developing. It just slows down and that latency period increases. So um, that's why when, you know, it starts to warm up, we, tend, we, we, we seem to see an increase in, stripe rust, it's just that it's coming into its optimal temperature period to cycle. Yeah, right. Steve, anything to add, add there? Uh, certainly, uh, yeah, Brad's, Brad's covered that. So we tend to work off adding your maximum minimum temperatures together and then divide it by two. The closer that is to, to around that uh, sort of 15 degrees is optimum temperature for cycling of stripe rust. Whereas you do that for leaf rust, and it likes the max mean added together divided by two. The closer to 18 that is, you're really coming into leaf rust cycling time. Yeah, okay. Steve, um, something that always used to confuse me a bit as an agro was uh, APR, adult plant resistance, and, and when it kicks in. And it can be a bit scary when you're an agro going into a crop and you see a fair bit of stripe rust, not knowing if it's going to kick in or not, whether you should spray or not. You know, you've always got the uh, grower on the back, on your back, wanting your crop to look clean and beautiful. What can you tell us about APR and when we can expect it to start doing its thing for those early sown crops? Yeah, so APR or adult plant resistance by definition is kicking in, you know, as the plant ages, but it really depends on the rating of the variety as to when it, it, it kicks in. So it's a pretty neat mechanism. So rusts are what we call a biotrope. They need living cells to feed on and live. And live. Um, 
And basically, adult plant resistance kills, senses it's got the infection in those cells, and it kills those cells with the strike rust fungus in it and the surrounding cells, and basically, you know, deprives it of a living host, so clean off the infection. So a moderate-resistant variety, it generally kicks in around that first node, GS30, 32 stage. Then an MRMS, it kicks in anywhere from uh, GS37 to full flag leaf, GS39. And then an MS variety, it's later, you know, on peak around GS40 and the start of flowering, you know, and then you go down from there. So, um, yeah, there's certainly vagaries around it. We've seen last year if we get a run of cool temperatures, persistent cool temperatures can delay maturity but also delay expression of APR genes. And also high nitrogen can tend to delay it as well, which probably not as big a concern this year. Um, and as she said, yeah, it's really hard. So what we're trying to get people to do in you know, some of those varieties which have got ceiling infections is go to the next leaf up on that plant and actually take it off and just hold it up with a bit of light behind it and see if you can see flecking in the leaf. There's flecking in the leaf. Their spores try and infect, but the adult plant resistance is actually taking taking those infections out. Or alternatively, you can go to the edge of a hot spot and the plants next to it, hold some of those leaves up. And if you see that flecking, that's how you've got confidence that, you know, it's actually taking over those spores trying to infect. And if you walk, you know, a couple of metres away and do it again, you should see a lot less of that flecking because it's not exposed to the same spore pressure. That's how you got confidence that, that it's actually working, yeah. It is something that causes angst all the time. The other thing we're always a bit wary of is some varieties have, you know, most varieties have really strong adult plant resistance. But if you've got significant infection in there in the latent phase, it hasn't come out as pustules and it strips those out, you can actually cause a lot of necrosis and lose a lot of green leaf area as well. So, yeah, certainly that preventative strategy rather than being reactive and relying on curative activity of fungicides um, is not the way to go, yeah. Proactive work and preventative strategies are working a lot better. Yeah, and that seems to be the case with all your fungicides, you know, even the ones for like ASCO and chickpeas and, and all those kind of things. So talking about other diseases, Brad, um, what else are you seeing in cereal world further south? Uh, further south, again, it's in, in wheat. Uh, it's Septoria triticide blotch. Um, we've had some very conducive uh, seasons over the last couple of years. We've got big stubbles. Uh, it survives on stubble. Uh, so what we're seeing is that, the, that most of our varieties that we grow here in southern New South Wales sort of start around that um, moderately susceptible to susceptible rating to septoria and get worse from there. So we're putting um, these the, the, the 2022 crop into a high-pressure scenario and we're seeing levels of septoria almost uh, in every diagnostic sample that's coming in. So uh, a lot of the agronomists that I'm talking to uh, are really concerned about the levels of septoria, but look, we just have to, like Steve said, um, have preventative measures in place uh, and, and, and try and keep on top of it. But it is something to keep an eye out on, particularly because of the long latency period of septoria uh, what you have on the bottom leaves may not be what is you'll actually end up with. So we just got to keep an eye on that moving forward. Um, Brad, can you just remind us what that uh, latent period is again for Septoria? It's about 20 days. So it's, it's quite long compared to other diseases. So you can think you're going to have low levels, but if you've had an infection event and you have a susceptible type, there is a chance that there is uh, some, some septoria moving up the canopy just in a latency period. And Brad, would I be right in assuming that the fungicide you might use for septoria will also um, help prevent and control uh, stripe rust? Is that correct? 
Uh, yes, yes, that's right. A lot of the triazoles uh, will will um, you know do do the job on both septoria and and on the on the stripe rust as well. But we just a there is some susceptibility. Uh, sorry, some resistance to some of the cheaper triazoles in in the population. So um, if you're chasing a out and out uh, septoria spray, uh, consider you know looking at an epoxyconazole level. Uh, there is also some strobilurin resistance detected in South Australia last year. So if using a strobilurin to spray, um, you know, for, for protection against septoria and you perceive a failure, that's something that we would be interested in. Righto. So growers should contact you if they see something a bit sus in the paddocks. Yeah, it's we're not really sure the extent of the population. Um, Last year, there was testing done in South Australia and Victoria, and it was the, the mutation was only found at the one site. But it is dispersive, septoria, so it's something that we all need to be aware of. So if there is a, a, a strobilurin sprayed and you perceive a spray failure, that is something, yes, we'd definitely be interested. Okay, Brad, what about um, any other diseases? What's, uh, what's barley doing? Any, any blotches happening there at the moment? Yes, yep. We normally see a lot of uh, set, uh, sorry, spot form of net blotch in southern New South Wales, uh, along with scald. They will be our two major barley um, foliar diseases. But what we've seen over the last couple of years is see net form of net blotch start creeping back into the system. Uh, it uh, has the ability to be quite devastating uh, if it gets the right conditions. So uh, it's just something else to be aware of and keep an eye on. So any a lot of the uh, a lot of the fungicide regimes that you will uh, you know employ for uh, scald or spot form of net blotch will also uh, have some activity on net form of net blotch as well. Excellent, Steve. What about you in central northern New South Wales? Um, what are you hearing? Yeah, I think the big one is concern around leaf rust. Um, so we we had leaf rust come in very late last year. It was just too cold. The temperatures were too mild, so we weren't on optimum cycle times for leaf rust, and that's both. Different species, so it's crop specific. That's uh, leaf rust in some of our barley varieties are quite susceptible to leaf rust. So I think we need to keep an eye on that. But the heads up is there's a wheat variety in wheat. There's a wheat variety called Illibo, which is quite susceptible to uh, leaf rust, and we're seeing decent levels in that already. So I think that's an indication that, you know, unfortunately, particularly again, we're probably more with that later sown uh, crop. So just have a look at your leaf rust rating. You might have to go with a, a later spray there if you've got quite high susceptibility to leaf rust. So if the season holds, that's what I'm worried about. The other big one I'm urging too is just when you're out there, rather than just looking at leaves, pull a few plants and see what how much basal bran you got from crown rot. Um, we know we're running high levels. So certainly if the season holds, um, we're going to you know, be spraying for, for leaf disease potentially. But if it doesn't, then, yeah, the levels of crown rot. We just need to factor that into decisions, particularly if we're going to you know, consider topping up with N or you know, some sprays. We need to make sure we're not running really high crown rot, which might reduce our ability to get a return on that investment. Yeah, and also, it's, a guide, it's a, guide, a guide for where you're going to go in future seasons too. You can see this stuff. Yeah, I think there's um, probably a misperception mis, uh, out there that crown rot isn't an issue in wet years, but those wet years, it, it, uh, the disease increases um, and creates you with a bigger problem for the following year. Yeah, crown rot absolutely loves wet seasons. 
So it needs moisture for infection and it also produces more biomass. You're putting more inoculum in. You just don't get the expression phase. That You don't get the stress during grain fluids. You don't see the white edge there. So that's a real, real catch we get into. It can go unnoticed, that massive build-up in wet years. And we've had, we're on our third in a row, so and a lot more cereal on cereal. Chickpea area has gone down because of price and also, you know, doesn't like wet feet, doesn't like wood logging. So, yeah, we're running quite, quite high levels. So, um, yeah. Hate to be doom and gloom, but it's just something you can look at and, and uh, get your head around what your levels are. And we can implement, you know, help you help implement uh, management strategies. So, you know, certainly continued GRDC investment over a long period. We've got a number of small, you know, integrated steps that you've got to get right and to reduce your losses to crown rot. Yeah, very good. Yep, you need to know what you've got before you um, go planning next year. But, boys, um, we just wanted to do a really quick catch up this morning after some of the concerns that have been raised with both of you. Um, so thank you very much for today. But um, I suppose just to recap a few things, um, plenty of striped rust around, more of an issue with the split planning that we've got and um, especially with that later planning, you know, just keep an eye out for striped rust and a preventative spray is much better than a curative spray. Um, as the temperatures rise, that um, the striped rust should become a bit less of an issue, but the leaf rust problem uh, could increase. Septoria is certainly a problem further south. And it seems like there's um, quite a variety of pathotypes in the system this year. So if people could send samples down to Cobbity to, so we know what pathotypes we're dealing with. And also um, that program down there will show us if there's any um, new pathotypes on the scene uh, so we can help manage for them in future years. And if you've got any questions, just contact, you know, our friendly pathologist in Steve and Brad. So thanks again, boys. And just any final comments, Brad? Uh, no, I was just going to mention uh, to, to be sure to, to send your samples to Cobbity, but thank you, Penny. You've already done it. Thank you. How about you, Steve? Any other final comments or jokes or song and dance routines to finish it off? No, no, no. No strip teasers today, no. <laughs> Thank God for that. The world rejoices. The beauty of, the beauty of podcasts. It's not no uh, video, yeah. Righto. So um, thanks, boys. And uh, when things change in the next few weeks, if they change, we'll have another chat and just try and keep you all updated. So thanks a lot. Talk to you all soon. Bye.